0: Hi guys, and welcome to DeShaming. DeShaming shaming is a podcast and movement dedicated to raising awareness about incest abuse, sexual abuse, and childhood family trauma. I'm your host, Pamela Clark, and I'm a licensed behavioral therapist. I currently live in San Antonio, Texas, and I'm also a survivor of incest abuse. I'm happy to say, I'm, I'm elated to say, that today I am thriving. So sit back, relax, and I hope that this podcast and movement prompts you to get involved and helps you on your path to de-shaming. Okay, we are here with Tiffany Chandler, and I will just have to say she's really nothing like her name. Her name (laughs) evokes like the debutante walking down the long stairs, But she's this beautiful, brown-eyed, brown-haired goddess. She is a somatic educator in training, somatic experience educator in training. Did I get that right? Okay. And she is an international yoga instructor. And so today she is going to talk to us all about how yoga and somatic experiencing can help us heal from not only incest abuse trauma, uh, sexual abuse trauma and pretty much any other trauma you can imagine all right take it away miss Chandler that's such a great name <laughs> so
1: good I am I'm feeling really good about all of the validation <laughs> good good because I've, I've never really felt like super strong about it but now I'm gonna really like walk into a room differently yeah man so that that's really a good start name to walk into rooms again <laughs> right exactly Yeah. Okay.
0: So tell us about you and your healing and why you want to do it and how you do it and all that stuff. You can start with yoga or somatic, whichever
1: one. Yeah. So, I mean, my healing, I call it my healing odyssey because it's been pretty much lifelong. Yeah. Um, I started, you know, starting in therapy about the time I was like 16 or 17 and I've been in, in some form of healing um, ever since. Good for you. And it's kind of, there's like an impulse underneath it. Like there's something there and I've, and I felt it since, you know, for my whole life. And, and I think I was able to really clarify that a lot of what I was working with, cause I, um, I specifically have been dealing with a lot of ancestral um, trauma, yeah. And, yeah and ancestral healing at the same time. And so that was really kind of the driving force behind um, a lot of a lot of the healing avenues that I would go down. So I've explored human design, which I'm still very um, very into. I think it's a beautiful way of sort of differentiating and understanding yourself. Um, and I did, I I came into the world into a very religious family. So my Papa Bill, my grandfather, was a Southern Baptist preacher from nice. Texas, from, from Leveland. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so he, him, his wife was like the singer in the church. She, she played the organ. And um, so my whole family is very steeped in this religion. Yeah and it was something that that i was also very connected to until about the age of 17 or 18 when i started to feel like it was a bit confining and i didn't i was frustrated with some of the um what felt like the denial of of so much of our humanness it didn't yeah. make any sense to me right um and so i moved out and i started exploring just different things, all kinds of different things. I was really like, um, my, I was born the year of the pig. So, uh, the Chinese year of the pig. So that's like how I, how I sort of live life. You know, I'm just kind of like nibbling all over the place to, to get like a rich experience of all kinds of things. And that's and that's how my healing journey has been, you know, it's just kind of been like tasting a lot of different flavors of things to see what, what I want to eat, you know, what really resonates, what helps me digest, like what, what really, um, moves me because it's different for everybody, you know? Yeah. And, um, so one of the things that was really, that really shifted things for me was when I started practicing yoga and I was having like massive anxiety, um, smoking a pack a day, drinking a bottle of wine a day, like wondering why. I can't figure it out. Drinking like ten. Why well, am I so ice. anxious? I'm <laughs> just so curious. Um, and um. so a friend of mine, who I met at a coffee bench in Brooklyn, um, she she was like, "You've got to come to yoga with me. I think you'd really be into it." Because we would sit on the coffee bench and talk about Alan Watts and talk about spirituality and talk about philosophy. And she's like, "I think you'd be really into this." So I So I took some classes with her and I just immediately fell in love with it. And and part of what was so meaningful to me about the practice was the the bringing together finally. To me, it felt like finally it was a coming together of the human animal, the body, the temple of the body, the sacredness of the body, the divinity of the body and spirituality because my whole life I understood them as separate things, and right. almost antagonistically so. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, and so finding something that celebrated the body was just like yeah. unbelievable to me. It was this huge relief, to be honest. Um, and so I just dove headfirst into that. I started do I started a training with Mukti Yoga. Um, like less than a year after I even started practicing. Cause it was just like, for me, I'm the kind of person that once I realize I'm into it and I love it, I'm just like You're 150%. In? Yeah. Nice. Um, so, so that's sort of where I would say the path really veered into what it is now. And, um, through yoga, I found a therapist who is a Buddhist, who's a Buddhist psychotherapist, um, who works in New York City. And he works with, mostly with people who are in sort of that kind of field. So they're in the yoga field, they're in the meditation field. Um, and he teaches a four-year, or he used to teach a four-year program through the Nalanda Institute that basically, Um, models itself after a four-year college program oh wow so um but in uh in buddhist teachings with the undercurrent and the underpinning of psychotherapy and neuroscience so it's like goes from the simplest most basic teachings of buddhism all the way through like the most esoteric and complex tantric teachings um, through those four years but with the um with sort of the foundation or the the scaffolding of neuroscience and psychology. And it's, it just like blew my mind. And it was exactly what I really needed because I, my spirituality was so important to me, but it had been associated my whole life with just like a lot of guilt and shame and repression and denial and, uh, like disconnection from parts of yourself, you know, it just like that, I, I couldn't find a way to make those two things agree to one another. Yeah. Until I like found these practices of, of um, Buddhism and yoga. And so, yeah, so I worked with him for a while. He's still a very good friend and I work with him as a psychotherapist every once in a while when I need like a little tune up, you know? Um, And I've gone on pilgrimage with him to Nepal and, you know, I've done the four year program and I've done an additional two year program that of a similar sort of vein with him also. So, you know, I've been studying psychology just for my own, my own sake, you know, to understand my own mind, which is really what yoga and Buddhism are also, you know, that's really the the purpose behind yoga and Buddhism is to, to understand the self. Um, and that kind of around a couple of years ago, um, some things came up from my past about a sexual abuse and it was something that I wasn't expecting. It was something that I, I didn't have clear memories of. It was something that, um, just kind of what I now can, can label as body memories, um, rather than explicit memories, which are very clear and coherent body memories are more, um, fractured. So it's like a mirror that you break, you know, there's like all of these different pieces and they don't really make sense to one another. Um, and so I went to, to see my therapist and as we were working through some of this stuff that was coming up, um, it became clearer and clearer that there, that an abuse had occurred. And, um, and so it it
0: feel like just to ask a question, because this Mm -hmm. is how it felt for me with certain memories. Did it feel like, like the physical, emotional experience was trapped in your body, but had been repressed in your brain. So the clear picture isn't there, but like all the same feelings you get when you're in danger or someone's gonna hurt you mm-hmm. or there and you're yeah. like, where the fuck did this come from? <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about, well, most traumas, but especially um, I think sexual abuse um, is that the messages are often um, competing. They're often competing impulses or, or contradictory messaging yeah. in nature. So it's like, you know, especially if it's something like incestual abuse when it's ha- where it's happening in the family or it's happening in a home an environment or a person that is, that is supposed to be safe.
0: Right. That
1: everyone tells you and, and, you know, culture tells you is safe right. and yet something very unsafe is occurring.
0: Right.
1: And so it, there's a lot of really contradictory um sensations that are happening where part of you is saying no I trust this person I should be okay and right. then there's another part of you that's like run fucking run for your <laughs> life this is not okay you are right. not safe all of the alarm bells are coming up yeah. in addition you talked. we were talking a little bit about like what's called coupling or associating earlier um and that was something I was actually thinking about the other day where, you know, oftentimes, especially like with something like sexual abuse, arousal or pleasure becomes associated or linked with pain and terror. Yes. And even arousal in the in a non-sexual sense, meaning just arousal in the nervous system, like activation in the nervous system, right, becomes linked or tethered with terror or fear. Right. Um, and so, what I what I started putting together when I when I started doing this work um, through Somatic Experiencing, is that any small level of activation that would come up. I would immediately, like, I reorganized my entire life around keeping the level of activation in my system as low as possible. Wow. And so for me, that meant, like, even listening to fast-paced music was activating. So my whole life, I've listened to, like, really slow, calming, relaxing music. You know, I moved into a practice, a yoga, a physical practice that was all about calming the system, you know, and, and just noticing, like looking back with this perspective and seeing all of the ways I was very skillfully and intelligently, but unconsciously, right. Managing and, and keeping at bay this amount of activation, survival energy that comes up for people who are in a situation, what's called um, forced immobilization, where you're in a situation where all of your whole system is activating to mobilize you to protect yourself. And yet, um, whether physically being immobilized, or, you know, even through the sense of pressure, like you're not, you're not able, a perceived sense that you're not able to move right. um, is, is not allowing that survival energy to, to resolve or to complete. And, so, and that energy stays in the system. Yeah. That all of that survival energy and that the power that comes through the system to protect you, to run for your life, to fight for your life stays in the system. And so somatic experiencing works on a nervous system level to go back in a, in a titrated way in a slow, gradual, like bite-sized kind of way into these, um, these places, these like body memory experiences, sensation, images, um, behaviors or movements, emotions, things like that um, to connect you back to that that sense of survival instinct or impulse so that you can then in real time actually complete and do something or say something in the moment that you weren't able to do or say back then and in that way the energy that is trapped in the system that is still telling you you're in danger you're in danger you're in danger run fight whatever collapse, freeze, disappear, dissociate, um, is able to be discharged. I love and it. So the symptoms are able to subside.
0: So you do sessions with people online?
1: I do. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So let's say, cause I don't know anything about it. And I told you this, I'm like, I don't want to Google it cause I don't want too much information. Like I want to ask questions. So let's say you yeah. and I are online. What would it, what's a session for me going to look like as a survivor of incest abuse? Like what, what would that do? Like, what would you do? Like, what do we do? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so that's a good question. And a, and a nice kind of place to, to start an introduction to the work. So, and it really is individualized. So everybody um, holds trauma in different ways everybody experiences trauma in different ways, everybody's nervous system responds to trauma in different ways. Um, and so you're really meeting, you're not meeting a, a, a sort of symptom or a you're meeting the symptoms, but you're not meeting like the, the exact experience, you're meeting the body where it is in that moment and what it's holding in that moment. And so like for example um so i, I like you,
0: to i can uh, give you an experience that i had
1: well let me let me just um go a little bit more into like what somatic okay. experiencing is so i like to describe it as like a body-based trauma resolution therapy and peter levine created this uh dr peter levine created this um and basically he He started studying animals in the wild and noticing how animals in the wild, even though they're consistently subjected to life and death situations, they don't experience trauma. And so he spent years, I mean, I think like decades studying this and what he found and what he noticed and what he observed was that animals in the wild When the body, the nervous system activates for fight or flight or freeze, um, which is another cascade in the system, um, when that energy, that survival impulse is activated in the system, if, for example, an animal realizes that it's not going to be able to fight, like the threat is too big, and it's not able to flee, it can't. Outrun the threat, it will move into what's called a free state, and that's when that's similar to this force of mobilization, where okay. the entire body shuts down, and it looks as if the animal is dead, and that and it's an incredibly skillful survival instinct, because if an animal comes over and is about to eat you and notices that it's dead it's less likely to want to eat you because animals don't want to eat something that's dead. So, um, and so what happens after that is what's interesting. So after the threat leaves, if the animal survives, it will slowly start to like open the eyes and look around, reorienting itself to the environment, checking to see if everything's safe. And then it will start to move its head. And then it will slowly start to like bring movement back into the body. And what happens then is that it'll shake. It'll shake like crazy. And what that shaking is, is a release of all of that trapped fight, flight energy um, out of the system. The system is able then to reset itself and go back into a regulated state but what happens in humans is that we usually inhibit that ability to discharge and regulate yeah and so throughout our lives as we have these experiences of you know trauma whether they're you know trauma is really not peter levine likes to say trauma is not in the event but in how um we perceive the event. Yep. And so, but continually having these experiences and holding all of that energy in the nervous system, all of these like unresolved um, survival instincts and impulses, it keeps a person in a, in a high level of activation or in a, in a very low or collapsed level of activation where it's like, and and so we're sort of disconnected from the full range of our um, our ability to regulate and right. take care of ourselves, to move into states of activation, which is not just fight or flight. It's also like playfulness. It's curiosity. Right. It's like being able to work with other people. It's, it's knowing where you want to go and then going there. Um, so being able to to touch into all of these spaces and then being able to relax and to rest and to have our digestion work properly and to have our sleep cycles effective and and all of these things. Um, but when we have trauma in the body, we can sometimes get what's called stuck on on or stuck on off, where we're stuck on like yeah. super activated all the time, super hypervigilant, always feeling like you need to like look around and make yeah. sure you're okay. And that's me. You know, yeah. yeah. You totally or being stuck on off, which is like just being really collapsed, being dissociated, being uh, feeling frozen, feeling unable to make any moves in your life, feeling feeling stuck, feeling inhibited, um, not being able to really access that healthy sympathetic activation, which is your ability to really, you know, um, have energy and life force in the body move through you.
0: That's amazing. I love this. Okay, so so I think it sounds amazing. So if I came, let's say I came to let's pretend COVID doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And I, I came to your office and I said, so, and since we're talking about religion, one of my, one of my abusers, I too grew up in an incredibly religious household. And Mm -hmm. one of my abusers would Um, I can't believe I'm sharing this, but as he was doing, he would tell me to look up at the ceiling and God would talk to me. It would open and God would speak to me. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And I remember, especially in those times, feeling that very trapped yeah, because he never opened up and spoke to me (laughs) yeah, no matter. And then this, at this point, I knew I was at an age that I knew your, you know, your body as you get older, because mine started so young. You're, you're like, this isn't right. Like this isn't yeah. right. So in that, especially in that, ex- those times, I could feel the actual anxiety. Like I could feel mm-hmm. the, I want to get up and run, but I can't, kind of thing. So yeah. if I came to you
1: with that, how would we work through that? Like, yeah. So one thing. I mean, we can even do a little tiny piece if that feels okay for you. But one thing that um, one thing that distinguishes somatic experiencing from traditional therapy, and it, and just as a disclaimer, this is not to say that therapy is a bad thing and right. somatic experiencing is a good thing. I think they're incredible in tandem.
0: Thank you, me the, too.
1: The, yeah, the insight yeah. that you receive in, in a therapeutic setting can be so supportive in right. um, what physiologically you experience in a somatic experiencing session, and vice versa. So the the wisdom from both ends of the spectrum coming together is a really um, is a really whole um, and complete and and supportive thing. Yeah. Um, but where therapy kind of works with the narrative of our experience, somatic experiencing works with what I call the story beneath the story. So it's like, what is going on in the body when we're talking about these things? And so part of it is to slow things way down. So, one uh, description of trauma that Peter Levine gives is that trauma is something that happens too fast, too soon, and that it's too much for the body to process in the moment. Right. And so So the healing sort of avenue or antidote would be to slow things down, to take it a tiny bit at a time and to do it at your own pace, to do it at the body's pace. And so so we're really looking for what are the sensations that I'm experiencing right now on a body level maybe noticing images that come up. Oh, okay. Um, behaviors or movements. So is there is there a movement that that always happens? Like I always experience this on one side. Um, we focus on like even you might make a gesture with your hands and that gesture you might make and not even think about it. Right. But in a oh, experiencing session, we might notice because you might be talking about something and doing this. And this is a very, I'm I'm putting my hands up up, in in a like kind of stop position. This has a lot to say.
0: Yeah, it does.
1: (laughs) And yeah, Yeah. and usually we just kind of like, you know, do it and we're talking. So we're not really connected to what's happening in the body when we're doing something, making a gesture like this. Or you might notice that you're talking about something and suddenly you're like making fists with your hands
0: yeah I do that a lot
1: yeah and so uh, things like that are things that maybe in a session I would be like you know would it be okay if we explored this movement and then have someone make the movement really slowly and then stop and just notice what are you noticing after you make that movement what comes up and they they may notice something or they may not you know but it's it's the ability to start to redirect some of the attention away from where we normally think the, the, the intelligence and the information lies, which is in the head, which is right. in reasoning, which is in logic, which is in figuring things out, and divert some of that attention down into the body that has its own terrain, that has its own intelligence, that has its own language, that has its own way of healing and working through. And so that's really like what we're doing in a session. Um, so I if like, you want, go I ahead, like go
0: ahead. how you said that. Like, I think we forget, and and I have been very guilty of this in the past. I think over the past couple of years, I've made a conscious effort to connect the two. And I mm-hmm. the separation, I mean, it's very similar, separated church and state is like, here's my head and here's my body. And I think it's very common in survivors of incest abuse and other, because you are disassociating yourself from the physical in the moment. Like, mm-hmm. And so I, I'm glad you made that connection with this and with therapy, talk therapy versus psychotherapy versus somatic experiencing. One is not better than the other. You need both on any level, even if it's not somatic experiencing, you need both things treated and healed and made whole again. And so I'm glad you pointed that out, that I think a lot of time we like to separate and one thing has to, you need to heal this way and you need to heal this way. And it really isn't that it's, you have to find how you heal Mm-hmm. The individual does. So yeah. we can. I got very anxious when you said, I don't know if you can tell, I'm deflecting, but d- totally deflecting. You're like, we could do a little bit. I'm like, oh. Um, yeah, but I think, think that's
1: it, even just noticing that.
0: Yeah. Like we don't oh, yeah, have to totally. do session.
1: I'm not going to ask you to do anything that you don't want to do, but just noticing, even as you thought about it and you went like this this is yeah, a light response totally and my stomach so you're like leaning yep. back like, moving away <laughs> yeah I want to get out of here <laughs> like yeah. turning my head, and that even just noticing that yeah is like such great information
0: it's huge yeah, it's, yeah. it lets me know one it's validating that memory for me mm-hmm. who and many other women who don't have validation from their abusers. And it, it, because my body's saying, no, thank you. I don't want to feel that again. I do Mm -hmm. not want to go back there. Like, and it's um, also, and I've learned to lean into things. uh, Now when my body does that to go, well, maybe we need to explore this, Pamela. Like maybe you need to, Mm. maybe you do need to explore this, but it's, um,
1: well, can I? Is it okay if I if I say something to that? Absolutely,
0: please do. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, because there's at least in the like yoga field where I the the wellness quote unquote, although I don't think it's like well a lot of the time. But um, in the wellness world, there's a lot of that languaging where it's like you know your happiness is in your in the outside of your comfort zone or lean into the discomfort or you know where. It's, it's very, um, almost forcefully so, right. <laughs> pushing people to go into places that it actually may not physiologically be okay for them to go.
0: Right, right.
1: And that's why these kinds of practices about learning to listen to your own system, notice I'm having a real flight response to this. Maybe that's a little bit too much. Okay, yeah. if that's too much, but I still want to meet this thing, what would what would I feel okay with? What would be okay in this moment? And this is how we can start to have, because trauma is black and white. Trauma makes things black and white. It's right. either this or it's that. It's all the time or it's never. And healing is really in the the nuance and in the subtlety and in and in the spaces between that and so part of like for using your example you know you got really anxious the moment i even suggested yeah totally (laughs) for survivals of sexual of sexual abuse and incest their bodies not all of the time but a lot of the time are not a safe place for their awareness to go right and so In a session, I wouldn't start with what are you noticing in your body? Because that immediately even go even thinking about going into the body. It's like, nope, nope, nope. I don't want to go there. That's not okay. It's not a safe place. Yeah, there's too much pain there. Yeah. And so what I would do instead, and this is why, you know, I think meditation is a great thing. I think yoga is a great thing closing your eyes and focusing on what's happening inside is not always the right prescription for people, especially for people with abuse in their past, because closing their eyes and going inside may do one of two things. It may re-traumatize or it may cause them to just completely dissociate and zone out. And so what we're looking to do always is not push you or push anyone into the place that we think you should go, but rather focus on what is the body saying? What is the body okay with? So we might start with just opening the eyes and looking around your space, taking your eyes away from the computer for a moment and letting your gaze kind of wander around your space. And a little more slowly than you normally would, you know, cause usually we're like,
0: Oh, totally. Coming. I'm like,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. usually we're like looking, but we're not really seeing what we're looking at.
0: Right. Right.
1: And so just like going a little more slowly, letting your, letting yourself see what it sees and really land, take in the texture, the color, and then letting it move on. And this is called in somatic experiencing, this is called orienting. And this is the first sort of level of our protective. It's, it's not just a protective or a defensive response. Um, it's also just what we naturally do. Right. When you come into a space, you naturally are just kind of look around, notice what you notice, just like no, getting the lay of the land, locating yourself in time and space when you introduce yourself to someone, especially now that everything is virtual, it's like, you're always like, here's where I am. You locate yourself in some way to yourself and to another person. And so even just that much locating your physical self in the physical space that you're in might be enough.
0: Right. I like what you said about closing your eyes. Cause I don't, I don't like to do that around other people. Like it feels yeah. incredibly uncomfortable to me. Yeah. And I've gotten better at it through my journey, but I don't enjoy it. I don't like, I cannot, um, I don't meditate. <laughs> I tried it with Ralph and Ralph's going to be, um, Ralph De La Rosa is a oh, psychotherapist. Yeah. I know, Ralph. And I tried yeah. it with him and God bless him. Um, I can't, I'm not at that space meditate but what I do do to for me and and where I am is I will sit and breathe like but I don't close my eyes I if there's somebody else around now if I'm alone it perfectly but as soon as you said close your eyes I'm like no thank you yeah (laughs) and it's such a it's such a rote response it's such a it's not there's not even a thought behind that response to what you said Mm -hmm. it's just like the Well, let's say I'm like, nope, like my body already knows before my brain even has time.
1: Mm -hmm. And and That's that's such a great thing to like, that's such a great noticing, because one of the things um, that's important to know about the nervous system and about these impulses that we have is that the nervous system is automatic. It's the autonomic nervous system or the automatic nervous system that the parasympathetic and sympathetic are a branch of. And we don't have control over how the nervous system decides to respond to any given situation. And so this is especially for like survivors of abuse, who often are in a forced immobilization situation. There's so much, um, especially culturally, like from a wider lens, when you're talking about victims of sexual abuse, there's so much blame and that. That blame happens internally from the self and it happens externally from the culture. And like one of the most healing things that I've ever heard was that that was actually like the dissociation and the freeze that occurs in that moment is the most incredibly skillful and intelligent way of keeping you alive. Yeah, And how, that's so smart. Of your system to do that, to save you from the pain of experiencing that in the moment and to protect your survival.
0: Yeah. If
1: you said something, if you did something, you may not have gotten out with your life. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's you know? so nice. So, I want to thank my nervous system right now. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I've, I love this practice so much and I love this therapy so much because it really gives you a new, like the appreciation that I have for how my body manages this life of mine and all of the things that it is constantly having to deal with. I just am always remembering, like, thank you. Thank you yeah. so much for that. Like I really, you know, now I'm, I'm in a safe place and I have resources and I have tools and I can actually start to, you know, maybe even work with some of this. I don't have to be numb to it. I don't have to be frozen from it right. now, but thank you. Thank you for doing that. I'm so grateful. Like I'm here. It, it, it worked, you know, right. it's I'm here today.
0: Yeah. That's um, such a good thing to say too. Yeah. I, I struggle with that. I think a lot of abuse victims do like, I, yeah. I still disassociate. And, and that's one of my big things uh, for 2021 is trying to reconnect Mm -hmm. movement to my body like just slowly reconnect to it as me it's me it is me I always visualize like there's part of me floating above and I'm just trying Mm -hmm. to pull her back down into the skin you know
1: yeah slowly so so like for example one thing that we would you know we want to do that like of course that the healing is in is in that reconnection but we like part of um, one of the one of the things they talk a lot about is titration. So titration is, I think it's a like a a chemical sort of technical term. But okay. um, titration is basically taking one um, solution and putting it, combining it with another. But if you were to say just like pour one solution into the other it might exp- it create an explosion. So titration is taking like a, a dropper, one drop at a time into the other. So that, you know, you put a drop in, maybe it sizzles and then it settles. And then you put another one in and then you a little, you know, you notice what comes up and then it settles. And you do that one drop at a time and then it transforms alchemically. The, the two are actually able to fully become cohesive and And so what we're what we're often trying to do is to just like pour all of our trauma at one time and just like try to deal with it because of course the the logic is like if I just do all the trauma right right now then I can be done with it but what but What that really does is it it re-traumatizes the system. It further exacerbates the intensity of the survival response, which is either to like lash out, flee, get get out of there, whether that's actually or like emotionally dissociate or collapse. And so what we want to do is like just a little bit at a time, like find the doorway in. There's always one. So if the body isn't safe, then we work on the periphery. And we just notice you know and over time eventually like something pops up oh i just feel this like thing in my shoulder oh is it okay if we like explore that a little bit and that you know that thing leads to a movement that they notice or a memory or an image or a word or something you know something that they want to do or say and and that's all just by tracking the body and taking the pieces that are coming up a tiny, tiny bit at a time, slow enough so that they're able to actually integrate into the system rather than just like, you know, jack the system up uh, and make it impossible for for new information to really like come in and settle.
0: Yeah, I stay pretty jacked all the time. (laughs) I mean, I don't mean this to say, I'm making it sound like I'm a basket case. it's not all the time for anybody listening. I don't want to scare anybody into doing these things or into not doing these things and fearing it. Um, it's not constant. These feelings that I feel they are not constant. So I, I needed to interject that. Cause I can just imagine somebody like myself 10 years ago, listening and go, Nope, I'm not doing any mm-hmm. of this. And that's not the case. Yeah. I think the the best thing I ever did for myself was to allow myself to start healing, to mm-hmm. say, okay, I love you. And I'm looking at my body right now enough to heal you. And it's a yeah. process. And I think it's, I try not to look at it now as, um, cause that's how I, I went into it. I'm like, we're going to get this over with mm-hmm. and I'm going to be done with it. And it's, that's not it. That's just not yeah. it. It's, it yeah. is, um. But I look at it as an, a way to grow. I, I'm constantly growing from what I experienced. So I try to take a little bit of the positive for myself because I deserve that out of this instead of always looking at it as if it's, I need to be done with it. I need to finish it. I need to check it off. Right. I need to be whole. I'm already whole. I'm yeah. a whole human being already. There are just things that I need to t- reclaim Yeah, for myself emotionally. So that's me. That's my two cents. So I'm sure other people view it differently, but it was important for myself as someone who felt like I wasn't whole. I wasn't enough. I wasn't good enough even Mm -hmm. to heal, to say to people, you're perfect the way you are right this moment. It's just, you can take it to another level. Anyway, that's just my two cents.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that is trauma severs. Yeah. Tra- trauma has a severing kind of uh, effect. Yeah. In that it divides what feels safe and what doesn't feel safe. Um, or, so this is, um, they call it coupling and uncoupling, over coupling or under coupling in, in somatic experiencing. So like there are things that are, that are coupled that are together that shouldn't be. So like the example we used earlier is like the doorknob. Pleasure. Yeah, the doorknob and I forget what it what it was like linked with, but um like pleasure and terror. Oh yeah very, yeah. very common like over coupling. Um and on the other end of the spectrum, you know, it, it would divide. So things that should be together, like for example, our our awareness, our consciousness and our physical experience. Things that should be together are separated. And so part of SE is really slowly and gently um, bringing together the things that have been kept apart and separating the things that are um, overly connected. And because if you think about like just the energy that it takes, to keep things apart yeah. that, that physiologically should be together or the energy that it takes to like keep things together that are supposed to be separate or uh, distinct, maybe not disconnected, but just distinct, right. individually. The energy that that takes is massive. And so even like a small little thing, like a tiny bit of work already starts to release as we as we bring things together and as we start to differentiate other things that energy that was that was overutilized in that work of keeping together keeping apart can then be released freed up to be moved toward you know just a greater life force right toward whatever you want to use it toward, you know?
0: I love that.
1: Yeah. And so part of, I feel like that's a very common way of looking at healing. And I definitely looked at it that way too, where it's just like, I want to get it over with. Like, it's something that I need to be, you know, it's this thing that I can just do and then be done with it. And then I'll have my life where I'm healed. Right. And it doesn't, and now that I've sort of been on this journey for a while, like I realize it doesn't, work like that like every time i do something that that brings me a little bit closer to a sense of wholeness that energy is being released and freed up that life force is being released and freed up to help me redirect toward health and well-being yeah and, and so it's not like a one and done situation it's just like every moment Every every time we're doing something that's that's moving ourselves in that direction, we're becoming a little more free. And a little more space is being made. Um, a little more connection is being made. You know, so it's like I think viewing it that way has been really helpful for me because then it becomes less of a task, yeah, and more of a relationship. Yeah, more of a like. Okay, how am I connecting with myself today? Whatever that looks like.
0: When I think um, just talking to you, I realized that my view of healing was compartmentalized. Let me, because it, the trauma had been compartmentalized my whole life. So it's like, right. I need to get rid of this compartment I don't like anymore. Let me get it over with.
1: Right. And so the
0: healing, I think the healing has, opened me up to be me without the trauma. So it wasn't just, it's more fluid and open versus the compartmentalization and the disassociation is stifling. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, big time. And I think, honestly, I think that has to do with a larger cultural conversation about how if you can keep people dissociated, fragmented, compartmentalized, detached, um, disconnected from their bodily experience. And this is what, I think this is what is happening right now through the experience of COVID, people are becoming more aware of their own system. And how much is too much and how much they can handle and how much they can't like, because we're just, taking on so much through the last year of the pandemic, we're now a lot more aware of like, Oh my God, this is too much. Or this is, you know, this is what I need. I need to rest. I need to be in bed all day. I need to, you know, dance. I need to get some energy out, whatever. But if you can keep people disconnected and, you know, dissociated from that bodily knowledge and awareness and experience, then you can basically get them to do whatever the fuck you want. Exactly. 500 hours a week. You can get them to not give a shit about their family and only care about money. You can get them to like exploit people and take advantage of people. And you can, you know, if they're completely disconnected from the intelligence of the body, which is, I want to be connected. Yeah. I want to feel seen. I want to feel heard and validated. I want relationships. And, and if, you know, if you can keep them from from even coming into close contact with that sense, then, you know, you, capitalism can just fucking take over the world. Thank you. what has happened. Exactly,
0: far. exactly. I mean, that's and how Trump he- got into office in the first place.
1: Yeah, and so coming into the body already in even the smallest sense of, of whatever titrated way that is for you, if it's just being aware of the space around your body, if it's just being aware of the space you're in, or feeling your feet on the floor, like whatever it is, that already is a radical shift for an individual. And that that shift has like a a billowing or resonant or like, you know, like a a rock in a still pond. You know, it has yeah. a, a ripple effect through throughout throughout the the like the nerves of the world that we all share. You know, I'm Absolutely. thinking of like the the mycelium. Is that what it's called? The mushroom. It's the um, the fungal like network that's I under the surface really. that connects. Like it's like the connective tissue of. Of the earth, mycelium, oh, really? I think it's called. I, I can't remember. It's really interesting. There's a movie called Fantastic Fungi that talks all about this, um, and it's it looks like if you if you just take a like see an image of it, it looks like the nervous system. It's just like this nerve network of connective um, connective fibers, like in the soil that connect like the entire world. Oh,
0: um, I love that. I have to watch yeah. that.
1: Fantastic have, fungi. Yeah. Okay. And so like in our own body, we have that same connective tissue, the fascia, the myofascia. And yeah. in, you know, in in the world, I mean, there energetically, there is there is a connective We are
0: all connected. We yeah. all share. Yes.
1: You know, and so one, one shift for one person is not just one shift for one person. One shift for one person moves this entire field in right. a way
0: it resonates throughout yeah. i mean you can't deny that it's the i mean if you are a religious person it prayer it's the same thing i mean it's the same i think again that i have to add that disclaimer it is the same thing as meditation yeah you're working it's just the semantics of it. But well, we'll do a different podcast on that. I, I'm trying to take those <laughs> words back in right now. I'm like, no, Pamela, no. But who cares? Uh, we'll do a different podcast on that. Um, I have a yeah, lot to say in that in that area. Yeah, well, Tiffany, I think you're amazing. This has been, wow. and it's funny because I felt it. So when, and I know when something is moving or uh, a therapy that would be helpful because the way that I start speaking is more difficult. I don't know how to describe this because it's all emotions mm, and the yeah. word, you know what I mean? So it was funny as you would talk, um, the articulation was harder on what I wanted to say about it because of the emotions, like the hands up and the nope, mm. that were triggered in that. And so to me, yeah. that's an indicator that that's a valid and, um important thing to start looking at. So that's yeah. amazing.
1: I love well, like this. Think, yeah. It's I mean, and just like it's such a rabbit hole to go down and the moment like I had such an incredible experience. I took a course called um activate your inner Jaguar with a woman named Kimberly Ann Johnson, who's an SCP who's a somatic experiencing practitioner. Um, And a lot of her work is about helping women, especially reclaim, as you were saying, the healthy activation of their nervous system. Um, And so I took that course when uh, some of this stuff came, started coming up for me a few years ago. And I just immediately like went really immediately went into the training and just like absolutely fell in love. It's just so fascinating. And it really does give you, it has completely shifted my relationship with my body and my, my experiences and how I've dealt with life from this lens of like, so, so much gratitude and so much more understanding and like tenderness because it was like, man, you were just, you were surviving. Yeah. And that is what, was the focus, <laughs> you right? know, it was thriving and, re, you know, doing huge, like things with your life was not something that was available because it was so, just so much about survival. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to do a session with you at some point, if you're, if you feel up for it, or if you feel interested. Yeah. Um, so if that's something you want to put together, I I would love to do that, but it's so very... Often. Yeah, it's just so interesting, and like it's like learning another language, starting yeah. to talk to your body, and starting to connect with an intelligence that isn't just what happens neck up. You right, is really is really incredible.
0: It's exciting and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> so, yeah. do you have a web page that people can get in touch with you at? And I'll put it on the. But just say it oh, now so maybe people yeah. can, a way they can link to try to work with you.
1: For sure. So uh, the website is TiffanyMarieYoga.com and that's okay. P-I-F-F-A-N-Y, Marie, M-A-R-I-E, Yoga. Okay. At, uh, or just .com, I think. And then there's a somatic experiencing tab they can click into and check out. Um, awesome. My Instagram is TiffanyMarieNYC.
0: Perfect. And I will put her link to both, uh, when I post this podcast. So you can go to the dshaming.com shamingcom uh, page. I'll also have it on the Deshaming shaming Instagram. I think you're hey. amazing. I'm so glad you were oh, here
1: today. I'm so grateful to be here and to just like having these conversations, as we were mentioning earlier, like it's so it's such a difficult thing. You can't just talk about it with anybody. You can't just like right. have a discussion about it at the dinner table with people. And and yet it's what's really needed. You it's know, really it's what, what's really needed to heal is yeah. to just allow that story air and yeah. freedom and space. Um, and so I just really am so grateful to be here and to offer anything that I can to support. Well, we
0: will definitely have you journey. back definitely have you back. Oh, Um, oh, I'd love to anytime. Yay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And as always, I hope that this motivates you to get up and heal yourself because you deserve it. You are loved. And there's a purpose for you to be here. Be brave with me, tell your story. And I hope that all my ramblings help you on your path to shaming. Same.